Amen. Good to see you, Christ Redeemer Church. I'm glad you are here this morning. Uh, man, praise God for uh, a new place for us, temporary location. We are grateful. One of the things we will do here in our new spot is we will continue to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So our text this morning is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. you're new with us, the verses will be up on the screen. If you do have a Bible, I'd ask you to look down at your Bible so you know the verses are actually there and I'm not uh, pulling the wool over your, your eyes in some way. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we'll be reading here uh, verses 7 through 12. 2 Corinthians 4, starting in verse 7. Let's pray. Well, Father, we just pray that in this space, the Lord Jesus Christ would be lifted high. Lord Jesus, you said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And we know, Lord Jesus, you were lifted up on the cross. And it opened up redemption for all of humanity. But Lord, we also know we can continue to lift you up. We can continue to exalt you and just set you high in front of our eyes. And pray, Father... um, through our entire life as a church, that we would lift Christ high and exalt in Him. So we just pray for your help doing that this morning. We thank you, Father, for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Starting in verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Amen. You know, over the past few years, the Lord has been really, really kind to us as as a local church family, just all kinds of little sweet graces that the, poor, that the Lord has poured out upon this church. We just started growing, uh, for instance, a few years ago. Just suddenly more people, not always a great thing. It can often bring a lot of pain, but it, do, it did allow us to then start sending more people out. More global missionaries sending out the Stadahars and the Sigmas and now ready to send out the Myrans. And we've now been able to bring in our first church planting resident, Josh Williams, who will go out at some point, Lord willing, to start a new church. You'll be hearing more about that in the coming days. And man, God has now given us this just great new facility. And, and just stop and look at what God has given us here. Just this really Nice auditorium, comfortable, I hope, uh, for you. Uh, 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 Comfortable space, space for more people. Uh, You cannot bring your 
coffee in here. Unfortunately, huge sacrifice, I know, for some of you. Uh, but you do not have a big cow on a yellow cinder block wall uh, staring at you no matter where you sit in the room. I don't know if you noticed that. The cow would follow you uh, back at peace of mind. So count your blessings here. And the classrooms we have, I hope you're able to see them. I mean, just some, some really sweet blessings from the Lord. God has blessed us as a church. And as we sit here now at this stage in our journey on this pretty monumental day moving into this new facility, I think God probably wants to say something to us, something like this maybe. Christ Redeemer Church, with all of these recent blessings, the growth Sending more people out to a new facility. Just remember to boast in your weakness. If we as a church start to boast now or any time for that matter in some sort of apparent strength. We boast in growth or number of missionaries or church planners. If we now boast in some facility, we have lost our way. And we are in trouble. Because boasting in strength as Christians or as a church is deadly. It will quench the work of the Holy Spirit. It will dry up our souls And bring absolute chaos. And why? Because boasting in strength is nothing but pride. And pride kills. Pride kills Christians. Pride kills local churches. And so God tells us all over the Bible to boast not in our strength, but in our weakness. And we see it here in, the, in, in this letter of 2 Corinthians. This letter was written by the Apostle Paul. He was writing to a church that he started in Corinth, in Greece. If you've been tracking with us through the book of Acts, you just saw the start of this church in Corinth back in Acts chapter 18. And one thing that Paul talks about in this letter is our critical need as Christians to boast in weakness. We see it in this text right here. There are three important questions that Paul answers for us in this text. The three questions that we'll think about here today. Here they are on the screen. Question number one that Paul answers, what are we? As Christians, as a local church, what are we? Number two, what should we then do? And number three, why should we do it? And the first question Paul answers here, number one, what are we? As Christians, as a local church, as we grow, as we send more people out, as we sit in this new facility, what are we? And and Paul's answer here very simply is this, we are very, very weak. You look at verse 7 again. Paul says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. Just stop and think about the treasure. As Christians, we have, we possess a great treasure. And what's the treasure Paul's talking about? Well, he's referring there to what he just previously said in the verses just before this. Paul was talking up in verses 4 through 6 about one of the main differences between Christians and non-Christians. And what's the difference? Well, Paul just said that Christians can now see the glory of God in Jesus Christ. If you look at verse 4, Paul talking about non-Christians first here, he says this, he says, 
in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You just pause on that for a second. The Bible says that Jesus is God. Eternal Son of God in human flesh. Paul just said he's the very image of the one true God. And because Jesus is God, the very glory of God, the the, the radiant beauty, the splendor of God can be seen in Jesus Christ. But, But the problem is that we in our natural unbelieving state We don't see glory naturally in Jesus Christ. We're sinners. The Bible says that our spiritual hearts have been darkened. Our spiritual eyes are are now blind. And we look at Jesus. we, we, We read about Jesus maybe in the Bible. Or we hear somebody talk about Jesus. But we just don't see glory in Jesus. He is boring. Our minds, Paul said there are blinded by the God of this age, Satan, and we just can't naturally see glory in Jesus, but God, he can change that. He can enlighten a darkened soul. He can open blind eyes, and God has done that for Christians. Paul just said that unbelievers cannot see glory in Christ But then look what Paul says about believers in verse 6. He says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Well, this God has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And Paul's referring to creation Right there, Genesis 1, when God spoke into the darkness and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And and Paul says there that God has now done a similar type of thing in the hearts of believers. Speaking into darkened souls, God saying, let there be light, and you now, Paul just said, have this new knowledge You look at the face of Jesus now and you just know. You you see it now, not perfectly, but you catch a glimpse. That is glory. You now see glory in someone you used to think was really boring. And that, Paul says, is treasure. To have this God-given light in your soul. To be able to see the the, the brilliant, the radiant, the effulgent glory of the one true God in the very face of Jesus Christ. That is a treasure you possess, Christian. But we could take it one step further, couldn't we? When you become a Christian, you truly trust in Christ. It's not just that your eyes have been opened and you see Christ now clearly. Oh no, when you truly become a Christian, you actually now have Christ. The eternal Son of God has now taken up residence within your soul. The very Spirit of Christ Himself. That is a treasure that you possess, Christian. We have this treasure. 
as Christians. But please notice what Paul says next. If you look back at verse 7, he says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay. We have inside of us this treasure. But what are we who possess the great treasure? We are little pots of clay. A jar of clay in Paul's day was one of the most common of all household objects. Every house had jars of clay. Nobody noticed them when they walked in your house. They were like Tupperware in your house. They were very ordinary. They were very, very breakable. Fragile. Easily shattered. But they were so cheap it didn't matter. Just discard them and get new ones. And they were also just very, very unimpressive. Not these exquisitely crafted Grecian urns, silver goblets with, with, with this gold inlay. No, just very small, unadorned, unimpressive earthenware vessels. And Paul just said that we, as Christians, are jars of clay. And that's just so great to remember, isn't it? Because no matter how wealthy you become... No matter how popular, intelligent you are, no matter how much our church grows, no matter how many people we send out, no, no matter how great a facility might be, we are jars of clay. Small, ordinary, unimpressive, frail, fragile. And that, I think, is what Paul's getting at. You know, one of the primary things Paul was saying there when he called us jars of clay, I think Paul was saying, we as Christians are very weak. David Garland says this. He says, such an image, this jars of clay image, it underscores our weakness. An earthen vessel is quintessentially fragile, prone to breakage, easily chipped and cracked. And listen, you, 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 you think about our, our weakness as Christians. Man, we're, we're really weak on multiple levels, aren't we? You know, we have, for starters, just a very created weakness. You know, when God set out to create humanity, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, He did not create us to be superhuman. Superhuman strength, power, extraordinary beings. No God created us to be just human, ordinary beings. God created us with human limits. You are not God. You can only be in one place at a time, sorry to say. God created you to be needy. He created you to need basic things like food and water and sleep and rest. God created you to be very, very small. He did not create you to have big Hulk-sized muscles. No, He created you to be David Banner-sized. 
Not superhuman, but just human. God created the human race to be dependent. Ordinary human beings living ordinary lives depending on him for everything. For starters, we just have this created weakness. Part of what makes us jars of clay. But we also now, after Adam and Eve rebelled in the garden, we, we now have this new fallen weakness, don't we? We all sin. So don't act like you don't. We're forgiven for our sin through faith in Christ. But all of us still sin. And our bodies now, the Bible says, because of sin, our bodies are now dying, aging. Very frail, very vulnerable, very hurtable bodies. And in this fallen weakness, it's not just that we we sin and we die. No, in our fallen weakness, we just make lots of mistakes, don't we? we? We just do. We have a saying in our house, numbers of blunders is what we all make. And that is all of us. We just fail often. We are very often unsuccessful. We are very, very often just average. Common human beings. We make mistakes, miscalculations. I cannot tell you how often I've tried to get something out of the back of our van and whacked my head on the door because I miscalculate the height of the thing. That van will be the death of me in my fallen weakness. Jars of clay. But, but here's the thing. When, when Paul calls us jars of clay here, looking at our weakness, I, I believe he's thinking primarily here not about our created or our fallen weakness. No, I think Paul's thinking primarily here about our afflicted weakness, which is a theme in 2 Corinthians. Christians, we are weak because Christians suffer in this life. A very agonizing, burdened, distressed people. This afflicted weakness we have. And that is Paul's primary point here. Paul says, verse 7, we're jars of clay. And then look at what he says right after that. In verse 8, he says, we are afflicted. In every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. And you just look at those verses right there. There's a lot of hope in those verses. Listen, every person who now trusts in Christ, you will ultimately be sustained by God. No matter what you face in this life, even your own martyrdom, for the sake of Christ, God will sustain you. You will not, as Paul just said, ultimately be crushed. You will not be driven to eternal despair. You will not ultimately be forsaken by God. You will not ultimately be destroyed in hell. And why not? Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. You will not ultimately be crushed because Christ was crushed for you to pay your sin. You will not be driven to eternal despair because Christ was driven to despair for you. You will not 
ultimately be forsaken because Christ was forsaken. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You will not ultimately be destroyed in hell because Christ was destroyed for you. Because of Christ, God will sustain you, Christian, no matter what. Even your own martyrdom, possibly. God will sustain you. But please hear this. Paul's main point right here, Christians will suffer. We are afflicted, Paul says, in every way. And the Greek word means that we are pressed. We are squeezed like grapes. And Paul says we are perplexed. The Greek means that we are confused. We're in a confused state of mind. We, as Christians, are confused at times. Don't act as a Christian like you are never confused. We are confused. We are at a loss at times. We are at our wit's end at times. And Paul said we are persecuted. People got around the world, harassed, oppressed, victimized. And Paul said, we are struck down, abused, bullied, even killed. These jars of clay at times absolutely shattered for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet God sustains his people. But make no mistake about it. We as Christians, we don't have just this created or fallen weakness. We also have this very real afflicted weakness. What are we? Christ Redeemer Church, as we sit here in this nice, beautiful facility, as we grow a little bit, as we experience some of God's blessings, we are weak. Jars of clay. That's one question Paul answers here. What are we? And a second question then, number two, what should we then do? What should we do? If we are weak, jars of clay, what does God want us to do? Here it is, boast in our weakness. And that takes it to a whole new level, doesn't it? It is one thing to be weak in this life. It is a whole different ball game to actually boast in your weakness. To openly tell the people around you about your weakness. To thank God openly for your weakness. To thank God for your failings, your vulnerabilities, your inabilities. To celebrate your weakness, your afflictions, and yet that is what God tells us to do. Boast, Christian, in your weakness. And that's exactly what Paul said that he did in his life. He says it multiple times in the Bible. Here's just a taste of it. 1 Corinthians 11.30, Paul says this, If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 5, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. And listen, you think of Paul, his boasting, saying he boasted. It's not just that Paul said he boasted in his weaknesses. Paul did. Multiple times in the scriptures, just boasting openly 
of his weakness. 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul says this, I am the foremost of sinners. Paul saying, I'm the greatest of sinners. Notice it's not past tense. He's a Christian here saying, I am now still the greatest of sinners. And most Christians know that Paul said that, but most Christians have not noticed the context. In 1 Timothy 1, where that verse shows up, Paul is talking about all kinds of sinners. He's talking about people abusing their parents, about murders, about the sexually immoral, about homosexual. And Paul then says, I am the foremost. Just openly expressing in writing for all to read that he is way worse of a sinner than any of those people. Just openly expressing, boasting in his weakness. Or how about Paul here, 1 Corinthians 2, 3. Paul says to the people in Corinth, I was with you, Corinthians, in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. You just think about that. The great apostle Paul. The great apostle Paul just openly expressing there his fear. The trembling that he felt around those people. Boasting again in his weakness. Or how about all the times in the Bible where Paul just begins to list his afflictions? Like this, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four, He says, five times I received 40 lashes less, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. That guy was in a lot of danger. Man, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Paul talking there about his anxiety. And, and notice now how this ends. Next slide. Here's how it ends. He says, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father, the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever knows that I am not lying at Damascus. The governor was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me, but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hand. And you, you know what that is? That was one of the Apostle Paul's weakest moments in his entire life. Acts chapter 9, persecuted in Damascus. And he did not then flex his big green Hulk muscles. Smash, smash, smash. Paul fled for his life. Through a small hole in the wall, lowered like a baby in a basket. And he just openly there boasted in that very weak moment as a follower of Christ. The Apostle Paul in his life just relentlessly boasting in weakness, in his sin, in his frailty, his humiliations, his inabilities, his, his afflictions. And here's the thing, Christ Redeemer Church, God wants us to do the same. God wants us to do the same, to boast not in our strength, not in our abilities, not in our successes, 
To boast not in our, our size or any facility, but to boast in our weakness. And I want you to notice, please, how absolutely countercultural that is. Absolutely swimming against the current in our world. There is nobody in our world who wants to boast in weakness. No way. My resume. Let me see. I'm forgetful. I'm, I'm very fearful. I'm often confused. I put that on my resume. I make a million mistakes. I get persecuted a lot and I sin a ton. I'll be a perfect fit for your company. Or let me go post on Facebook. Here's a video of when I kicked my dog in anger. Couldn't open the dumb peanut butter jar. Got an F on my test. And was beaten up by my neighbor. Or when I go home later, I think I'll take that weakness finders inventory and figure out my top five weaknesses. And then I'll post those on Facebook so you will know. Nobody naturally boasts in weakness. Nobody. We boast in strength. Look at me. Look what I can do. Look how great my family is. Look how great my life is. You do realize that most of Facebook is a lie, don't you? I hope so. Do you know we even boast in strength in our churches? That's where you see some of the worst of it. Look at our church. Look what our church is. Look what our church can do. And all of that boasting in strength, it's just human stinking pride. And God tells us to boast in weakness. So, as your lead pastor here, Christ Redeemer Church, let me boast in some personal weakness. My body is aging, in case you hadn't noticed. I turned 51 this year, and I feel it. My hips hurt every day of my life. Severe arthritis in both thumbs, Two bulging discs in my neck with severe numbness and tingling in my left arm. I don't say that to get pity. I say it to say I'm weak. As a pastor, I have overworked at times in the past. And not always because I'm a great pastor, but because I'm also afraid of failure. And one way I've tried to avoid failure in my life is by overworking. I have lots of fear at times. Fear that I won't prepare a good sermon. Fear that I will be rejected. I can find safety at times, not just in Jesus, but in things like power and control or esteem and affection. If things are just under control and people like me, I'll be safe. I can be impatient I can be rigid. I can be critical. I can be angry internally. I can want retaliation at times. I have one of the most broken and sinful pasts probably in this entire church. Redeemed, cleansed, loved by God. But it's there. 
and I could go on, Zach Eswine, who wrote the book Imperfect Pastor, the first time he ever preached in his new church, he'd just gotten a job there, and he walked onto the pulpit in front of his new congregation barefoot. Just to show them that he, just like them, had feet of clay. A jar of clay. Just like me. But you didn't come here, did you, to hear about me? Let me boast in our weakness for a second as a church. You know, we're growing by the grace of God. That's fun. You know, it's neat to have a little more people, resources to be able to do some other things. Listen, when you think of the size of this world, we are tiny. Oh my word, just a little blip on the radar screen, which is fantastic because God spreads his kingdom most through small things. (laughs) But we're tiny. And listen, we do just very ordinary things, don't we, as a church? I mean, man, there's no fog machine in here today. <laughs> we, we tried to get one. Maybe someday there's no fog machine. You know, we wanted the laser lights, thought that would be cool. If you guys got some lasers in your pocket, we could, we could spice it up in here a little bit. We don't do that. It's just ordinary. We just preach the word. We sing. We have a few classes. We have life group meals, which are more chaos than anything a lot of times. We try to love our neighbors. We parent our kids, and most of the time nobody sees any of that stuff. It's weak. Nobody will ever sing your praise for parenting your children behind closed doors. It is weak to this world. And God sees it, all of it. But it's part of our weakness as a church, isn't it? Eugene Peterson talked about the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. And that's us. And we are an afflicted church too, aren't we? You know, in the past few months, we as a church have lost jobs. We have been in car wrecks. We've had joint replacements. We have lost unborn children. We have had cancer. We possess a great treasure, don't we? And we possess that treasure in great weakness. Don't get a big head, any of us. We are a ragtag band of disciples. We are yahoos, all of us. Saved by grace, loved by God, and broken, fallen jars of clay. And as we enter this facility, we move forward as a church. Whatever God has for us in the future, don't forget, boast in weakness. Christ Redeemer Church. I do think that's one thing that has set our church apart at times is we do have pockets of boasting and weakness. And I just pray that would mark our church till Jesus returns. Can I encourage you to do that this week? That you get with a friend, you get with your spouse, and you take a little intentional time 
to openly express some of your weakness, some of your sin, your frailty, your humiliations, your inabilities, your afflictions. Not to shame yourself. I don't share mine today. I don't feel shame. Don't shame yourself. No, God loves you in Christ just as you are. But just to remember, just to let people know you are weak. That's the second question Paul answers here. Number one, who are we? We are weak, jars of clay. Two, what should we then do? We should boast in our weakness. And number three, last question that Paul answers here, why should we do it? Why? Why as Christians, why are we so weak? And why does God want us to to boast in our weakness, to talk about it, give thanks for it? Here it is. Because other people can then see clearly that any good in us, any strength, any power, any good thing we might accomplish, people can then see that every last bit of that is Christ. Not us but Christ in us. Listen, if we as a church, if we boast in some apparent strength, we begin to focus on, talk about size or facility or how well we we do certain things, people, well, they can then look at us and say, well, look at you, the great things you do. But if we as a church, we truly recognize how, how weak we are, And we actively boast in our weakness. We humble ourselves often and we express openly that we are the foremost of sinners, that we are fallen. If we can express our failures and express how frail and afflicted we are, people will then look at us and say, wow, look at Christ doing all that great stuff through those jars of clay. When we boast in weakness as Christians, people can see clearly that anything good is not us, but Christ in us. That's what Paul says here. If you look one more time at verse 7, he says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay, and why? To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And verse 10 We as Christians are always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. We are always being broken down in our bodies more and more weakness every day. Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, more weakness daily. And why? So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life is in you. As we die, Christ works through us in you. Why are we so weak? Why must we boast in that weakness? Because Christ is seen most clearly, not in our strengths. But in our weakness. I have a pastor friend, Justin Perry, who's part of our TCT network, Treasuring Christ Together Church Planning Network, which our church is part of. You'll hear more about that in the future. And my pastor friend, Justin Perry, tells a story of when he was in college trying to make money going house to house selling knives. And he would go into homes and he would do this knife presentation for the people and they'd hopefully buy the knives. And one thing Justin was taught to do was to pick someone in the home 
to use one of those knives to cut a rock. And Justin was told, though, that he should never pick the strongest person in the home to cut the rock. Not the young guy with all the muscles, but the weakest person, the old lady in the corner. And why? Because the stronger person cuts the rock and people think it's just the person. Wow, look at him. But the weaker person cuts the rock and it highlights the power of the knife, not the person. Why did God call so many weak people together in the body of Christ? Why does he allow us to be weakened more and more every day? To highlight the power of Christ in us. Not us, but Christ in us. Paul, later in this letter, he talks about a thorn in the flesh that Christ gave to him. Some affliction that God gave to Paul to keep him weak. And Paul says this, 2 Corinthians 12, 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this that it should leave me. But he, the Lord, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecution, calamities, failures, inabilities, vulnerabilities, mistakes, miscalculations, weakness, Feet of clay, for when I am weak, then I am strong in Christ Jesus. And that doesn't mean that you now become physically strong. There used to be this group called the Power Team. And they would go around to different churches. Some of you know, you're nodding. And they would go, big muscular guys. And they would like tear phone books in half and things like that. And I've got nothing wrong with big guys who can tear phone books. Uh, That's great if you want to do that. But it kind of sent a wrong message, I think. Because in Christ Jesus, he does not make you strong. You are weak. But in your weakness... His power somehow rests upon you. In your brokenness and your frailty and your vulnerabilities, Christ shines. You know, I've often wondered with this jars of clay thing, I've wondered if Paul, in the back of his mind, wasn't thinking about Gideon in the book of Judges. Gideon back there, he he had just 300 men in his army. And they didn't have spears and swords. They had little clay jars with a light inside. You talk about the picture of weak. They weren't going to defeat any other army. But when they broke those jars, the light radiated out. And the enemy was stunned. And started killing themselves. And Gideon's army won without doing a thing. And that's 
That's how it works. It is in our weakness, the breaking down of these jars of clay, that the light, the power of Christ can then radiate out of us most fully. The light streaming through the many cracks in these pots of clay. If we want the power of Christ to rest upon us as a church, boast in your weakness. And you know this weakness that God is asking us to embrace as Christians We aren't the first ones to do it, are we? That's Christ. Who started in heaven in the very form of God, the Bible says. Humbled himself, took on the form of a man all the way to the cross. Embracing weakness for you and me. Jesus willingly became a jar of clay. And he was then shattered completely so that we might then be restored. Did you catch what Paul said in verse 12? Because now this is our path too. As we die daily, we feel it. We die and life is in you. Christ ministers through us. Not in our strength, but in our weakness. So I pray now on this day and every day forward, Christ Redeemer Church, we would kill the sin of boasting in strength. We would watch over it in our hearts. We would not fall into that nonsense. And we, by the power of God, would boast in our weakness openly to one another and to others in this community. And we do that, and the power of Christ will rest upon us for many years to come. Lord God, we bless your holy name. Father, this is completely opposite to anything we would naturally do. We fight against it. I can feel it in me, wanting to boast in strength, wanting people to see my strengths. And you tell us to boast in weakness. And all we would say is, Lord, we need your help. We need your help, O Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit that we as a church in our life group meetings or our our just time of fellowship out in the lobby here or, or, or out in public, Lord, that we would not boast in strength. We would boast in our weakness. And people in that would see you, Lord Jesus Christ. And that you, for many years to come, in this Christ Redeemer Church body, you would be glorified and we know lord when you are glorified we will find great joy in you help us lord we pray in the name of jesus christ amen